I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am, of course, your host, Rick Wolf, and happy Father's Day. Okay, on this morning's show, we're going to talk about what you, as a sports parent, can do to help your athlete perform at their top level. And that's right, we're going to focus on the proper psychological preparation for young athletes. Now look, as moms and dads, we worry so much about a kid's you know, physical techniques or the mechanics of their play, but what about their mental approach? For example, what can you say to a youngster if they're visibly getting nervous before a game? Uh, is, is it okay if they develop certain uh, rituals or superstitions as part of their pregame prep? Now, Dan McGinn, who's a sports parent himself, has written a new book entitled Psyched Up, How the Science of Mental Preparation Can Help You Succeed. Now, Dan is a senior editor at Harvard Business Review, has a real passion for sports psychology, which, as most of you know, is a longtime passion of mine as well. And, and Dan joins me this morning to talk about some of the, the basic myths and misconceptions about sports psychology and sports parenting. Dan, good morning. Good morning to you. Thank you. Now, you know, your book touches on a, a number of competitive, competitive fields, whether it's sports or the world of business or uh, performing arts. But the main theme that underlies all of your stories and anecdotes and insights is what do successful individuals do in order to assure that each performance is a good one? And with athletes, especially young athletes, in fact, you just wrote a piece that ran in the Wall Street Journal that highlighted some of the five basics that all sports parents really need to know. And I want to go through those five keys this morning. And friends, if you have questions or comments, of course, our number here, a toll-free line is one 337 66 66 brought to you by Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, Pocono, and Resorts, Atlantic City. Okay, Dan, let's begin with what parents can do to help their youngster focus on their sense of, of self-confidence. I mean, your kid's getting psyched up for a big game. It's always, wise to, has to, it's always wise to have them recall, remember past successes, correct? Yes, it is. One of the most interesting days I spent when I was reporting the book was at West Point, the military academy. And I spent a morning in their sports psychology lab and Mm -hmm. watched what they did with their lacrosse players. And not only did they have the players informally recall their best moments just in their imagination, they actually wrote out scripts in which the players would talk, would think about their strengths, they would recall specific moments from specific games, and then they hired an audio narrator to come in and make a professional audio track with music behind it. It was, you know, it almost was like the audio 
from a movie trailer, and they had this, the players put this on their phones, and they were instructed to listen to it the first thing in the morning when they woke up. They would listen to it on the bus on the way to games. Um, it was, you know, you can informally do this yourself, but as you get to the higher levels of sports, there will be entire departments on teams that help kids do this. Yeah, the, the whole process of, of, uh, of building a self-confidence, uh, you know, by, as you say, using the West Point, the lacrosse program, using, you know, audio or video, uh, you know, replays to help remind the athlete uh, of their, their abilities, their, to, to boost their confidence, their successes. You know, that, that's been around for a number of years, although, as you said, it's become more and more sophisticated in recent years. And as you said, it, it really sort of helps for a kid who, for some reason, kids seem to have like this short-term you know, memories. They forget how good they were at, in middle school or in high school or even at the college. And, and these, these kind of programs help sort of get them right back on track again. Um, and again, it, it, you mentioned the West Point program, but I'm sure this is being done pretty much in every major uh, program around the country. It is. It's interesting. So I, I was a high school football and basketball player. I was not <clears throat> not a great athlete by any stretch of the imagination. But what got me interested in this subject was watching what they would do with us in the locker rooms and in the moments before those games. And we had pep talks. We listened to certain kinds of music. We had rituals. But this greatest hits confidence building strategy it really wasn't part of the arsenal back mm-hmm. then. No. Um, it, what I've, it's interesting, when I began reporting the book, I was much more focused on the model of getting psyched up as flipping a switch on or off, and I was much more focused on the idea that this is largely about adrenaline and getting your body to sort of give you this jolt of adrenaline. Once I actually started reading the research and talking to the experts, I came away with a much more nuanced model. I focused much more on emotions like reducing anxiety, increasing confidence, optimizing energy levels. Adrenaline plays a part, but it's definitely not flipping a switch on or off. It's more about sort of tuning the knobs on a stereo. Yeah, I, I think, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan, uh, because, you know, obviously with moms and dads who are watching their kids get, uh, you know, sometimes the kids get moody, uh, get a little uh, self-absorbed before a game, and parents sort of need to understand what's going on in their kid's head uh, as they so put on their, back in our day, it was called putting your game face on. And, and, and parents didn't understand that kids do need their space. They do need a chance to sort of reflect and, and rethink about how they're going to go into that game. Uh, and one of the, the points that you talk about is the fact that, you know, the, the, the whole mention adrenaline, there's this whole sort of school of thought for many, many years in sports psychology that uh, it's, it's important for a kid to sort of somehow walk away from the pregame jitters and anxiety. But the truth is, when a kid starts feeling nervous or anxious before a game, that's actually something that, as a parent, you can tell them, look, that's good. That's a good sign. It means your body is getting ready to perform. Right. I think uh, one of the biggest fallacies in what people do before they do a high-stakes event is that you should try to combat your nerves. Um, You have to realize we're biological creatures. We're programmed to identify threats and to feel our fight-or-flight instincts kick in. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much you can do to to intercept or to turn that around. Instead of trying to calm down or or not be nervous, there's research that's been done in in a variety of settings, people taking math exams, people in singing competitions, that you do better if you just try to rechannel that nerve 
nervousness into excitement, which is still a highly aroused state, but it's a more positive one, one that focuses on the upside and the opportunity instead of the downside and the potential for failure. Yeah, as I said, I think that's something that a lot of parents uh, really need to hear because they figure, well, no, I'll just tell my youngster, uh, well, if you're, if you're getting nervous or anxious, whether it's a, you know, for a big test or taking the SATs or, or playing in a big game, uh, you just need to take a, a bunch of deep breaths and to think positive thoughts. Well, that's sort of outdated you know, kind of approach. The fact is you're better off just telling the youngster, no, it's okay to, to feel that you're, you're nervous and a bit antsy because that means your body is telling you and your brain that you're getting psyched up to play in a big game or, or go through a big test. Uh, and if the kid can embrace that kind of approach, then uh, he or she is going to be better prepared to go out and feel clean about, about going out and doing a good job. Yeah, I think uh, wh- part of what's interesting here, I mean, you said a couple times in your, you know, you know sports psychology inside and out, and I think you're right that among sports psychologists, a lot of these ideas have been around for a while and they're widely held. Mm-hmm. I think that the average parent actually knows very little about sports psychology. This is not, there's no natural avenue for people to pick up this information from. I think sports psychology is a really powerful and useful discipline, but I think it's undermarketed. And I, I think, uh, you know, as parents, we're investing a lot of money in our kids' sports training. You know, we're, maybe we're reading books on how to, you know, have your kid be a better pitcher. But I think parents, you know, even if it's something as simple as reading Sports Psychology for Dummies, um, which is a very easy read, uh, it would help them not do some of the things that parents instinctually are doing, which is actually the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. My, my guest this morning is Dan McGinn. He is the author of Psyched Up, How the Science of Mental Preparation Can Help You Succeed. Dan, we got to take, some, uh, take a break here for some commercial messages and uh, a sports update with Dave Uram. When I come back, though, I want to continue talking about some of these myths and misconceptions that uh, too many sports parents have and what they can do to help their, their kid prepare for for uh, sporting events. And of course, our number here is 1-877-337-6666. Sports Radio 101.9 FM, the fan, and Sports Radio 66, WFAN, New York. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. Uh, my guest this morning is Dan McGinn. He's uh, from the Harvard Business Review. And we're discussing what sports parents need to know based upon Dan's new book, which is entitled Psyched Up, and it's in stores now and available everywhere. Uh, You know, before the break, Dan, uh, you had mentioned about the history of of sports psychology, and that sort of brought back some memories to me because I was very much uh, involved in, in sports psychology when I was in college back in the 70s. And, you know, it was funny. I remember going through all the various libraries on campus looking for books or volumes or anything about sports psychology, and there was, like, nothing there uh, that just didn't exist. And, of course, this is long before uh, the Internet and, and, and Google searches. But sports psychology has really only come into, uh, into popularity in the last maybe uh, three or four decades. And, um, you know, a book like yours basically says to parents, you know, there's a lot of this, this mythology about, about all this. Like, for example, we just said before the break, talking about the fact that parents, you know, they see the kids get nervous or anxious, and they're trying to get the kids to, to somehow 
try to repress or suppress their anxiety when, in fact, they should be saying, look, that's okay. This means you're getting ready for the big game. That's one of the misconceptions I think a lot of moms and dads don't know because sports psychology hasn't been around that long. Right. That That's definitely one of them. Uh, the other one that I used to do all the time, this was my go-to technique, and it turns out to have been 100% the wrong thing to do. Yep. I used to engage in what they called defensive pessimism, where if we're going to an event with one of my children, whether it's a sports tryout or a big game or even the SATs, you know, and they seemed nervous or they wanted to talk about nervousness, I would always focus on, you know, if you fail this test, it's not the end of the world. You can take it again. You know, (laughs) if you don't make this team, there are three other tryouts next week. Um, That seemed like the right thing to do to sort of assuage them by, like, there are other options out there. This Mm -hmm. won't be the end of the world. It actually just is emphasizing failure to them. And, you know, in fact, all the research shows you want to do the opposite. You want to prime them to be successful instead of focusing on the chance that they might fail. But again, it's an instinct sort of thing, you know, you, you're sort of protecting the downside, but it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about, that, you know, this is a very natural kind of instinct from a parent to say, well, don't worry about it, you know, it's not that big a deal, there's always more opportunities, but in fact, you should you tell them just the opposite to reinforce to the youngster how well they've done in the past, how they always seem to step up when the pressure's on, uh, they can look back at the video, look at audio, or listen to audio, I mean, they, to reinforce how good they've been in the past to get that, that sense of uh, getting on the right track in terms of their, their mental preparation. In fact, one of the things I want to mention too, Dan, is you know this key insight about superstitions and pregame rituals that you know a lot of parents don't understand why kids do that and they try to sort of poo-poo that. And, and the fact is, those pregames, rituals, superstitions, yeah, they do work. And they, they, they help the youngster, any athlete, get prepared, get in the sense of, of a comfort zone that allows them to really feel good about preparing for the for the big game. Yeah, there's a lot of research in, in a wide range of sports from rugby to water polo to diving to darts that shows that athletes or competitors who have a set routine of things they do, it's usually a set of physical actions and act and you know behavioral things in their mind, imaginative sort of things, those people tend to do better. They've done studies where they just sort of watch people and describe what they do. They've also done interventions where they'll take you know, two groups of people in the same sport who are all about the same skill level. They'll teach one group to do a routine beforehand, and they'll just let the others do whatever. Mm-hmm. And they don't know exactly why. It's impossible to know why these things work, but there are some theories. So number one, you're going to be nervous before an event like this, and having something to do, your routine, your ritual, it can distract you from the nervousness. That's number one. Number two, if you do it the same way every time, even in practice, doing that little routine can kind of cue your body, and sort of it's sort of almost like starting the engine in a car. It just helps you remind, remember the practice, and it sort of is the cue to get yourself going. Um, so those are a couple of the theories, but these things really do work, and they should be encouraged, not discouraged. Yeah, I mean, obviously you want to keep it to a, <laughs> there should be a certain uh, limit as to how much uh, a kid can do in terms of the superstitions and pregame rituals, but overall it's, 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 it's not going to be a problem uh, and uh, the ultimate payoff, at least from my experience, uh, is that th- these pregame rituals, these superstitions, allow the athlete, as you say, to get past the sense of anxiety and focus on the task at hand. And because most athletes want to get to that, 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 uh, that promised land 
known as the zone where they're at a level where everything is sort of happening in slow motion and they can really perform at a top level and be not distracted in any way. Getting to the zone is always, uh, you know, to, to, for many athletes, that's the essence of performance. It's hard to get there, but they all sort of sense that by having these pregame rituals, that'll prepare them to make that next step to the zone. Uh, but again, it, it's something that that's, uh, nobody has really found a way to get to the zone on an everyday basis, but that's where you want to be. I mean, I, 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 I think that's essential uh, in terms of these, of the, especially at the elite level, what athletes want to do. But, you know, let's get to some of our callers here, one 337 for Dan McGinn. Let's start with uh, Terry up in Amenia, New York. Terry, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. First of all, how are your parents? My parents are fine, thank you. I'm glad that my dad is still with us and uh, celebrating Father's Day as well. So thank you, Terry. You're very welcome. Two observations, if I may. Mm -hmm. One is these principles, these concerns are not limited to sports. Uh, I know for a fact that they apply to the performing arts. One of my mentors was the cellist and conductor Pablo Casals. Hmm. And Don Pablo said more than once in my presence, in essence, you show me a performer who does not get anxious before a performance, and I will show you someone who is not a great artist. Mm -hmm. And also, having been privileged to be around many famous concert artists, I know that every single one of them had a personal routine. They were not always anywhere close to what each other did, but they all had their routines. In fact, I knew one, God rest her soul, whose last act before she went out onto the platform was to drink a large glass of hot water, because she would often send me to get it. <laughs> so <laughs> these basic principles that <clears throat> you two are talking about apply all through life. And I know as a broadcaster with almost over 50 years of experience that I always have had my routines, the things that I do to quote-unquote set up before I go on the air. I think this program is great and very beneficial to all. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you very much, Terry. That's, that's a wonderful endorsement. And, Dan, I should point out that yeah, we're focusing this morning from Psyched Up about sports parenting and, and, and kids playing sports. Clearly, your book touches upon, as Terry mentioned, I mean, the, all sorts of aspects, whether it's uh, the performing arts, whether it's the corporate world, uh, you know, uh, surgeons, anybody who's involved in a situation where they're going out there and, and really having to perform under some anxiety or pressure. So I, I don't want to make this sound like the book is only about sports. It's obviously about all different types of things. For example, you, you talk about uh, uh, the legendary uh, coach Bill Campbell, uh, who went at, reinvented himself after he had been a top-flight uh, football player at Columbia in the 60s, uh, went on to become the head coach of Columbia. Columbia, of course, has had problems with his football program for many years, but he eventually reinvented himself to become sort of like the CEO whisperer out in Silicon Valley where he was counseling everybody from Steve Jobs uh, to Eric Schmidt to uh, Sheryl Sandberg. But again, it's all about he was all about focus, focusing with these top CEOs these brilliant people about how to perform at, at, a hop, at a top level. Right. Uh, Campbell actually died last year. He and passed I, last year, yes. Yeah, I did one of the last interviews with him, and uh, it was interesting. 
when we think about, you know, you and I have been talking about youth sports, and youth, no matter how old you are or what your profession, if you played youth sports, there's a good chance that it was a really a, a, an important developmental experience for you in terms of uh, learning to perform under pressure, dealing with adversity, forming important bonds and relationships with teammates, learning to take feedback. Um, the thing that one of the things Campbell said is, if you look at the especially the younger leaders in Silicon Valley today, most of them grew up with their faces in a computer. They didn't play sports. And now they, you know, they start these companies, these companies become larger, they become the leaders of these very large organizations, and they didn't have that developmental experience. So it's a simplistic construction. But some of what Campbell was really doing was imparting to these Silicon Valley leaders, the skills that many other people would have learned in a sports environment in high school or adolescence. That's a good observation. And, and, and you know, I, I don't, I think it, it carries a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, su- substantial truth to it that, uh, you know, that we talk all the time about the intangibles that youngsters take away from playing youth sports and team sports. And if you don't, aren't involved in that as a kid, you're missing out on a lot of important life lessons. Uh, it, it just it goes with the territory. Dan, let me ask you, one of the things you're talking about is also the, and I'm sure a lot of moms and dads will want to hear about this, the, 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 when a kid wants to have a, a certain playlist, the pregame music as part of their ritual on the way driving to a game, whatever, uh, let's, I think it's safe to say a lot of parents don't often share the same taste in music as their kids. But this is a case where, as a mom or dad, you should allow your kid to play what they want to play because it works for them. Yeah, there's there's been many, many studies that look at how motivational music before an event can, can help people perform better. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main researcher is a guy over in London, and he's actually gone so far as to call music a legal performance-enhancing drug. And there's a whole science behind what makes a certain song motivational to a certain person. Um, clearly, my tastes and my children's tastes in music are different. And the easy solution, you know, in this iPhone world is for them to just put on their headphones and play their own playlist. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but especially in a pregame environment on the drive to one of these kind of events, I tend to let them take over the radio and I'll listen to their music um, because I want to kind of be a part of it with them. And if they want to talk, that gives them an opportunity to talk. Um, so sometimes you do have to uh, grit your teeth a little bit to some of this music, but it can be uh, a way to help them listen to the right thing, but also have them talk to you if they're interested. <laughs> I, I like the way you said you have to grit your teeth a bit. Yeah, I, 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 I can certainly empathize with that. All right, uh, let me take a pause. We're talking with Dan again. He's the author of Psyched Up, How the Science of Mental Preparation Can Help You Succeed. Uh, and as I said, we're, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll go right back to the calls. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be by, and Ed will be talking baseball. Uh, Make sure you stick around at 9 for Ed this morning. And as always, I ask you to check out my website and my blog at askcoachwolf.com. Right now, we're talking with Dan McGinn about his new book, Psyched Up, and uh, a lot about the uh, good information about what parents need to know. Uh, as they help to prepare their kids 
uh, mentally for, for sporting events and to uh, play at a top level. Let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, Coach Tom over in North Arlington. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Dan. Happy Father's Day to both of you. Thank you, too, Tom. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm glad I, I turned the radio on and listened to this. It, it uh, basically confirms what I've I thought of as a coach. Early coaching in high school, I always said to myself, you know, you, you, you tried, as Dan had said, to calm them down. And I always felt like, you know what, this doesn't seem to work. You know, num- number one, they're not listening. <laughs> you know, they're so, <laughs> so, so into getting into the game. And again, kids used to listen to their own music. I know for basketball, you'd come out to a certain music, and I always felt that that was just for the crowd, that each person had their own individual music. And there was something back in the 90s, I remember, it was called Cybernetics. I don't know if you... Uh, oh, Psycho-Cybernetics, Maxwell yeah, Moss. Yeah, it goes it, back to the 60s, actually. Yeah, I know, but, well, okay. <laughs> it's a long time ago, yes. Yeah, but I mean, there, were, there was a couple of tapes that I remember giving uh, people, and they were basically, you know, reaffirming of their, how good they could be and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And that, to me, seemed better. I Again, I always felt that... Uh, you know, trying to convince the only person I felt that needed to calm down was me as the coach because I, I'm, you know, you're trying to think clearly, and even then you're having the uh, the whole bit. But yeah, you, you that fight or flight is real important, and uh, no matter what sport you're playing and and trying to distract them, I think that is never a good thing. No, I, I think I think we all sort of uh, recognize that that uh, you know we understand every athlete uh, is uniquely. Uh, individualistic, and it, you're not just trying to to get them off point or, or to somehow get them to focus on something else. It's, that's really going to be counterproductive. And and uh, yeah, I, I I think what Dan has done in this book is, and it, uh, friends, I'll tell you, I heartily endorse this book. Uh, if you really are wondering about what you can do to help your kid get prepared, not just for a sporting event, but as I said, for SATs or big tests. This, this is really a wonderful sort of compendium of, of cutting through all the, the myths and, and mythology about what works and what doesn't work. And, and Tom, as you, as you obviously know from your years in coaching, you know, there's a lot of – people just don't understand how this stuff works and what you need to know to let the kids have their space, have their ability to listen to what they want to listen to, and then they can go out and perform. Uh, exactly. And again, like you said, I, I mean, there were times I thought I gave great pregame speeches and, and, you know, they came out flat. Yeah. And, and vice versa. Other times I came, like, I couldn't think of something to say and I could see that they were they were ready. Yeah. You know, different guys are ready. And to me, you know, that's why I finally, you know, what this has got to be an individual thing. And, and you know, and, and then what's the difference between nervousness and anxiousness? You know what I mean? Anxious, nervous, excited. There, there, there's very little as far as your body reaction. So it's like, you know what, let's go with this. We're all excited. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? That's that to me, that's, that's the most important thing. It, it's, it's a very complex kind of world to be sure. Hey, Tom, thanks as always. For Thank the call. you very much. Happy day. Yeah, take care. Sure. And, and, and Dan, I have to ask you in going through your research, was there anything particular, uh, that really sort of in your, that jumped out at you that was surprising to you that you didn't really expect to find? Well, I think the, the two things that jumped out at me are, uh, number one, I mean, we talked earlier in the program that a lot of our instincts are wrong and that some of us are doing the wrong thing. And I think that's a, a prevalent kind of behavior. But even more than that, I think, number one, if you ask a lot of people what they do before an important performance event, mm-hmm. the most common response will be a blank stare or nothing. So 
I think too many people, whether it's your kids going to a trial or whether it's you going to a job interview or an important presentation at work or a big sales call, is that you do nothing. And so if you come up with a routine of your own, um, that's going to help. And number two is just how widely applicable this is. The, The introduction to the book is about a guy who was a championship high school and collegiate wrestler. And one of the things that made him a really good wrestler, uh, he's in the State Hall of Fame in Virginia, is he he worked with a sports psychologist and he came up with this routine that he did before he went in the wrestling mat. When he became a neurosurgeon after college, he was doing surgery and he decided that he should do a very similar routine before he does surgery every Mm -hmm. few days. And it works for him too. So the idea is that this is something we can learn in sports, but we can apply to our professional lives. Yeah, I I think I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, that that case that you start the book with really does sort of crystallize how important having any any athlete, any student needs to develop sort of a routine, a a pregame ritual, whatever it might be, a way they feel they get into their comfort zone, which allows their talents and abilities to, to shine through. Uh, again, that's that's something that, that the kids have to be taught. It's not necessarily instinctive. Right, and there's all sorts of different elements. The Tom, the last caller, mentioned warm-up music, and that was a really important part, especially in basketball, because we were playing indoors. And, you know, our high school basketball team would spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the right warm-up music was. And Tom said that originally he thought that was just about amping the crowd up. It wasn't really for the players. Well, don't underestimate the effect of amping the crowd up. You know, I, for this book, I spent some time with the DJ who works for the Boston Red Sox and the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he chooses all the game, all the music that's hel- that's listened to during warmups, during batting practice. He helps the players in baseball with their walk-up music. And he really does, you know, it's not just about getting the players psyched up in that situation. He feels like if he can get the crowd 10% more into the game, that's going to translate into the way the players do it. So it's all about creating the right atmosphere, both in the pregame and in some sports during the game. Yeah, I, I, again, it's it's uh, it's fascinating information. And uh, if, 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 as a sports parent or a youth coach isn't familiar with how important this, this information is, as I said, they really need to get a copy. Uh, the book is entitled Psyched Up, How the Science of Mental Preparation Can Help You Succeed. It's by a, uh, by Dan McGinn. It's in stores now. You can go to Amazon and get it as well. Hey, Dan, a real pleasure having a chance to chat with you about the topic. Obviously, it's something that is very near and dear to me, and uh, I think you just did a great job uh, in the writing of this book. Thank you so much, and happy Father's Day. It's a great topic for Father's Day, right? It is, and, and happy Father's Day to you as well, Dan. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks again. Okay, that's Dan McGinn. The book is really an excellent read, and as I said, a lot of this stuff is, unless you're familiar with it as being a former athlete yourself and having grown up with your own pregame rituals and understanding about your the music you listen to and, and how, you know, trying to get away from, well, I, I'm too anxious, I, my nerves are kicking, this sort of cuts through all the clutter, uh, and it, it's, a, it's an excellent, excellent guide to what you need to know, not just in sports but in all walks of life. Okay, let me take a short time out. Just a couple of quick thoughts uh, to end uh, this morning's show. First of all, uh, it's sort of a true confession. I have to tell you that one of the reasons why I was drawn to Dan's uh, wonderful book, Psyched Up, is because I have my own book, 
uh, uh, that I'm writing. It comes out in January uh, 2018 about sports psychology. And, uh, and basically, my approach is to try to explode some of the misconceptions that uh, a lot of athletes and coaches and sports parents have when it comes to uh, you know psychological techniques in sports. And, you know, uh, I mentioned this briefly with, with Dan, uh, and Dan obviously agrees with me that that you know the idea of taking deep breaths when you feel like you're anxious or panicky in a tight game, that's been around for a long time. The truth is, it doesn't work. You talk to any top athlete, they they don't take deep breaths to to clear their mind, and they don't think positive thoughts. No, that's not how the game is played. It's more in the heat of battle. You're more about making adjustments and and figuring out at a much higher level what you need to do to get out of your rut or get out of the situation. Uh, and that kind of stuff about just take deep breaths doesn't work. Anyhow, I'll, you'll, it'll all be explained in my book. That comes out in, in January, and I'll have more information on that book in the months to come. And finally, it is Father's Day. And I, I think for all you dads, you all agree with me that the rewards of being a father, especially a sports dad, I mean, those rewards are, are endless. And it, it's being a father is truly one of the magical aspects of, of, of life. Uh, and it's uh, my own my own world, my father, uh, still with us, doing great. Uh, he's been involved, spent his entire life in sports, and it's just been uh, something that uh, myself, my family, we've, we've been blessed to have um, him as our dad. So, uh, Dad, happy Father's Day, and to everybody else out there as well, I hope you enjoy your day with your fathers as well, because, again, it's something that is truly, truly unique and special. And as a father myself, I can tell you it's, it's just a real blessing. Okay, that's going to do it. For me in this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks this morning to Anthony Gallo. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.